You have been listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church. We invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For more information, visit day3church.com. Good morning. We're starting a new uh, series today for the month of February. Uh, That's entitled Love God. We just finished looking at a whole month in January of the uh, topic of fear God. So uh, we thought it would be good to balance that out as focusing upon our our love for God. Uh, We ought to fear God because He's God and we're not. You know, He's the Creator. He made us. All the things we talked about last month, we need to respond to God in that way. All through the Bible, you see people fall on their face trembling when they had face-to-face encounters with God. So we don't need to take Him for granted and minimize who He is. Even though we're saved by grace, we ought to have a, a healthy respect and fear of God. But our primary motive for responding to God in the right way should not just be fear. It ought to be love. We need to love God. And that's what we're going to talk about this month. By the way, just up front, you'll <clears throat> notice me interchangeably uh, talking about loving God, loving Jesus, uh, as though they are one and the same. There's a good reason for that. Uh, they are. <laughs> There's one God revealed in three persons. And if you don't fully understand that, we're going to do a series starting in March, first Sunday in March, that's going to go through the first Sunday in May that's going to deal with doctrine. Uh, it's going to be entitled, you know, why, uh, why You Believe What You Believe, What You Should Believe. Uh, and that's what we'll be looking at. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus is literally God. In our, you know, little minds, we have a trouble figuring that out. Well, how can God the Father be God, God the Son be God, the Holy Spirit be God? Uh, here's the deal with that. I just believe what the Bible says. I'm sorry. Yeah, matter of fact, the Bible, when it starts out and says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. If you can swallow that, you can swallow the rest of it. You know, if you, if you just get that right. But what we're talking about in, in this series is loving God. Like I said, I'll be talking about loving Jesus, loving God. It all uh, kind of runs uh, together. But we need to have a love relationship with God. A lot of times in uh, February, because of it being, quote, the Valentine's month, uh, we have focused on relationships, dating relationships, marriage relationships. Uh, this year, I just really felt like we needed to focus on the most important relationship because the most important love relationship is a relationship between you and God. Most important relationship that you can have. And the thing about it is this. God wants it. He longs for it. He pursued us. You, you think about dating and marriage and that kind of stuff. Most of you ladies like to feel pursued, you know? And while a lot of the guys here, we want to come off as macho and not act like we're interested in being pursued. Yeah, you like being pursued too, you know? Well, here's the reason I bring that up. You have never, ever been more pursued than by God pursuing you. Because all the type of things we do to try and communicate to someone in a relationship, someone you're dating, someone you're married to, that you love them, the different things that you might do to try and pursue them, flowers, candy, whatever the case might be, 
Here's the way God pursued you. He sent his son and put his son on a cross to die in your place so that through him you can have everlasting life. You have never ever had anybody pursue you the way God pursues you. So that's why it's the most important relationship and why we're going to take this month to talk about it. A couple of send-off verses that we're going to look at. It's not really our text for today, but just some send-off verses for the series I want us to look at. One passage is in John, 1 John, and it says this, We love because he first loved us. In other words, you and I wouldn't even have a concept of what love is without God having loved us first. Because he loves because he loved us first, we can love. Then something that most of you are probably familiar with, we call it the, uh, <clears throat> the great commandment. Jesus said this. Next slide. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. There was a debate going on, teacher of the law listening to it. Jesus, he thought, gave a good answer. So he comes to Jesus and he asks him this. Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Then he says there is no commandment greater than these. If any of you have been around day three very long, you've gone to our membership class, you realize that's central to, you know, our idea that we do here as a church because we're kind of following up what's called a purpose-driven model uh, of a church. And in this, we have some pretty big purposes. We're to love God, which involves us worshiping God and serving God, doing things for God, but we're also to love other people. We're to minister to other people. So if you've been around here very long, you've heard us talk about it. But I'm just wanting this to kind of give us some evidence, a send-off to this series that we're doing as to why we ought to love God. Jesus said it's the most important commandment. And notice what he said. We're to love God. This might haunt us a little bit. <coughs> we're to love him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and all our strength. Does that make you a little bit uncomfortable? Do you feel you've got a deficit in that area? Because a lot of us today may be thinking, well, when it comes to loving God with, with all my heart, I, I'm falling a little bit short because there's parts of my heart I kind of have dedicated some other stuff I'd almost be ashamed of. When we think about loving God with all of our, all of our soul. Jesus died for our soul, and yet many times we, we dedicate a lot of our lives to other things. So we're to love him with all of, our, all of our mind. And we might feel a little bit guilty this morning because immediately a lot of us probably allow our mind to be tied up loving some stuff that, like I said a moment ago, if it were to all of a sudden be exposed, we might be a little bit ashamed of some stuff we've been loving in our mind. Then Jesus said we're to love God with all of our all of our strength. And regrettably, we use a whole lot of our energy doing things other than loving God, don't we? 
Just something to kind of get our attention to, to show us that we, that we need to love God. That needs to be something that's first and foremost in our lives. We need to love God. Today, our topic's this. Love God by serving Him. <clears throat> love God by serving Him. We can communicate to God that we do love Him. More than just with our words. Nothing wrong with that. We ought to tell God, God, I love you. And more than just with songs, coming to church and singing, you know, praises to God and saying, God, I, I love you. All that's good. We ought to do that. But we ought to go beyond just that and show God that we love him by serving him. Let me illustrate that for a moment. Like I said, Valentine's coming around the corner. Guys, I'm sorry you don't have any excuse that your wife has heard me tell you, Okay. Daryl's up here giving an advertisement a, a little bit earlier for uh, the Valentine's uh, banquet that we're having. And you've got some uh, cards you can register today if you've not done that yet. That's just something you can do, you know, for your spouse. Y'all can get together and come uh, this Saturday. And if you're planning on coming, today's the last day to sign up because we need to know how much food to fix. So, you know, please come be with us. We'd love to have you. This Saturday starts at 6. Always have a good time together. We're going to have, you know, John Hart's going to speak to us. Jill Howard's going to do uh, some music for us. Got some great food that's going to be prepared. But you need to let us know what you're going to eat on that card and let us know that you're coming. And we all do things like that at Valentine's. It's fine to go buy the roses at Valentine's. That's okay, ladies. Huh? I'm assuming. We buy the candy at Valentine's. Maybe plan something you know, special, some special getaway or whatever. At Valentine's, can I give you a hint about something your, I started to say your spouse, but guys, I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> that your wife is probably longing to see happen. And that's for you to show your wife that you love her by serving her. I thought I'd get some amens there from the ladies. Because, you see, we tend to think that we're going to make up for it. See, here's the deal. Our wives have been serving us and our you know, kids, if you have kids, all year. And somehow men get the mentality that when it comes around Valentine's, we can kind of make up for all that if we'll just throw some candy their way or you know, a card their way, roses their way, you know, throw some money at them, that that'll... Make them feel loved and make up for it. I'm giving you a hint this morning, really good hint, good tip, guys. You need to also love your spouse by serving your spouse. Got a man to say it. Some of you guys are looking down the road just a little bit right now, to Valentine's Day. And some of you are hoping you'll get lucky. Can I tell you how to improve the, benef- the, the possibility of getting lucky? If you'll serve your spouse, if you will serve your wife, if you'll have some acts of service helping them out, I, I promise you guys this is a good tip. You'll thank me for it later. I don't do it like I should, but every now and then, you know, I'll, I'll have time and I'll get in gear with that. Had a real good day of it, you know, about a week ago or something. Got a whole lot of stuff done that I knew Becky was wanting to see done. Just kind of threw myself into it. And uh, I, I don't suggest, you know, Becky do this with me too much. But I was walking by and she grabbed me and wanted to set me down in her lap. I thought, I'll break your legs. 
But she wanted just to say, you know, and she just drug me down and set me right there and thanked me for what I've been doing. I didn't tell that in the first service. She's in the first service. You can go tell her later I said it. I'm just telling you up front, it's a good tip. So here's the reason I went through all that story. We also need to communicate to Jesus we love him by serving him. And we get the mindset, well, if I just, you know, if I just throw some money at him, if I just you know, tithe a little bit or do a little bit here and there, tell him I love him, sing that I love him, that that's all I need to do. And the truth of the matter is, he wants us to communicate our love to him by serving him. That's what we're going to look at today. If you're filling in your blanks on the uh, backside of, uh, or inside rather, your uh, updates that we were giving you, some places you can uh, take notes as we, go, as we go through this today. But I want you to notice two main ways that, that you and I can love God by, by serving him. Number one is this. Love Jesus and serve Jesus by obeying Jesus. Love Jesus and serve Jesus by obeying him. See, if we're obeying him, it's going to work out in service. Because there's a lot of stuff he tells us to do. A lot of stuff he designed us to do that you'll see later in the message. So we can help communicate our love to him by obeying him. Look at these verses in John 14. If you love me. Do you see it's kind of like a condition clause? If you love me, you will obey what I command. A little bit later in the same chapter, here's what's said. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. In other words, Jesus is saying what I'm saying because I'm God in the flesh. Is what God is saying. This is what God the Father told me to say. So you ought to pay attention to what I'm saying. You need to obey what I'm saying. It's not just suggestions. Jesus is saying, if we love him, we will obey him. And like I said, we just talked about a whole month of fear God. But the primary way we ought to show Jesus that we love him and respond to him is through that. We are loving him and proving that we're loving him by what we do for him, by serving him. Jesus more or less is saying this. If you love me, prove it by paying attention to what I'm saying and do what I'm saying. That's what Jesus is telling us. I want you to see three things in, this, uh, in those verses. First of all, I want you to notice there's a test of love. A test of love. A test of love. In, in these verses that we're looking at, within, within just a few verses, less than ten verses, Jesus draws a comparison between loving him and obeying him. Draws a connection between the two. And here he gives us a test of love. I capitalized the if just to where it would pop out to you as you read it on the screen. If you love me. It's like there's a test that's being given. If you love me, then there's something that's going to happen. And if anyone loves me, then there's something that's going to happen, some response, some action that ought to take place in, in your life. He's given a test of love, a, a test whereby we can prove our, our love to him. How many have heard of the, the five love languages or the five languages of love uh, book? How many has read it? 
Some of you read it. Some of you say, well, I heard it, but I've not read it. Be a good book for you to read. <clears throat> what, what it is, it's, it, it's a book that helps us understand. Gary Chapman is the author uh, of the book. He used to be on staff. He may still be. I don't know. At Calvary Baptist in Winston-Salem, very large church. And, and in the book, it, it helps us see how we better experience and communicate love in, in a relationship. By the way, God has sent us a young couple uh, to our church recently. They went through our membership class and joined. They're in our first service, so I can't point out to you who they are uh, right now. But, uh, but Shane and Dana Snyder both uh, have been through this, and they've been trained to teach it. So before long, we're going to offer it as a class for you to where you can come and go through uh, training on the five languages of love. And they also have it as a level for parents toward their children, and we're going to offer that as a class too, to where you can come take it as a parent and understand better how to communicate love to your kids. In this uh, study that they came up with, there are five main ways that, that Gary said that we experience or communicate love. One's words of affirmation. And that's just where you're, you're kind of bragging on somebody. And, and that's something that's very good to do. One is spending quality time. And some people, that's their level of experiencing love. If the husband or the wife will spend quality time with them, it makes them feel loved. A third level is giving gifts. You know, buying something, giving it to them, because some people, that's what makes them feel loved. Number four is acts of service. Actually doing something for them, as I said a moment ago, to make them feel loved. Five is the intimate contact. Now, some, you know, some guys are maybe dancing, not figure that one out. Parentheses, sex, okay? Here's our problem. Especially for guys. Guys, quit acting like the preacher said a dirty word in church. God created sex. Okay? You know what the men do? Because it's kind of the way we're wired a lot. Men jump down to the intimate contact thing and think, I'm communicating to my wife I love her by this because that's the way we really feel loved a lot of times. But it might not be the way our wife primarily feels loved. I sat through the class with Gary Chapman teaching it about, uh, let's see, it would have been about 15 years ago. And I was taking some training at Calvary Baptist in Winston, and, and they brought Gary in. Like I said, he's on staff there to teach the class. And there's a primary question that comes up. In the five languages of love. And the question is this. If you love me, you would blank. And Gary in the training tells you to fill in the blank for your spouse. Try and think like your spouse would think. If you love me, you would. And then put down one of those five categories. And Gary's sitting there teaching that. We've been in it probably for, I don't know, an hour or two. And he brings up the question. And I'm sitting there and I've been married for 20 years, and I'm thinking to myself, you idiot. You've been married for 20 years, and you just now had someone to tell you in a few minutes something you needed to figure out a long time ago. Because I was trying to love Becky in a way that made me feel loved. And it might not have been addressing her primary love language. 
At her particular time, I knew without any doubt what she would have fit in. That's why I'm sitting there telling myself, you're an idiot. Because I filled in the blank. If you love me, you would do more to help me, which is acts of what? Service. And here's why at that time in our life, we had three kids running around the house. And with my schedule and her schedule, her working, you know, some that back then she was just working part-time. But I, I realized she couldn't get all of it done. And her primary love language in that particular time would have been that. If you love me, Lynn, you do more to help me. I knew that's what she'd say. That's why I told myself, you're an idiot. See, all those other levels, I mean, everybody experiences it in some of those levels, but, you know, it can even change from time to time. But there's a primary way that your spouse experiences love. And what Gary and his wife did when they first came up with the Bible study was agree to meet each other's primary love language a couple times a week. Which, guys, I can tell you, that's a pretty good thing, okay? The reason I went through telling you all this because remember what we're talking about, loving God by serving Him. Guess what? Jesus has a primary love language. If you were to fill in the blank and Jesus says, if you love me, you would, we've already read it in the verses. If you love me, you would obey my commands. If you love me, you would obey my teaching. That's the primary love language of Jesus. He wants us to have acts of service. He wants us to prove to him how much we love him by obeying him. So there's a test of love, and then there's a proof of love. It's your next blank. The proof of love is this. If you love me, that was the test. Here's the proof. You will obey what I command. If you love me, that's the test. If anyone loves me... He will obey my teaching. That's the proof of love. He's telling us if we really want to communicate to him that we love him, we're going to listen to what he says instead of going in one ear and out the other. It's going to reside in our life some, and we're going to be paying attention to what he wants and what he desires, and we're going to do things for him, and that communicates to him that we love him. First John chapter 5, verse 3 says this. This is love for God. Now, guys, this is just Bible. And, and, you know, if you don't like it, I'm sorry. I don't like it sometimes. But it's still true. Amen? This is love for God. To come to church a couple times a month, to tell him I love him, to put some money in the offer plate, and then go home and put my Bible on the shelf and not think about him until I decide to go back to church again. Is that what it says? Does it even say I show up at church all the time? Every time the door's open, I'm going to come and I'm going to tell him I love him. And that way, he'll know that I love him. See, that's not even what it says. It says this is love for God to obey his commands. To care enough about what his desires are, what he wants for our lives. That we're willing to respond to what his commands are. It's like proving your love to your spouse or someone you're dating by using more than just words. Instead, you're taking actions to prove to them that you love them. Let me illustrate a little bit. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just going to get us in trouble all this month, I guess, because we're the ones that deserve to get in trouble the most, I guess. I don't know. 
See, the women are going to say amen all month. I'm sorry. I until next week, the, the attendance of the men is going to be down 50% by next week. If you're sitting there watching ESPN Sports, and your wife is trying to talk to you, and you just stay locked in on ESPN, and she's trying to talk to you. Now, let me run a side rabbit for a minute. Ladies, use some common sense when you try and talk to your husband. Don't go home and do that this evening. It's Super Bowl this evening, and leave him alone, okay? <laughs> use a little bit of common sense when you try to do it. But, but here, here's the deal. You're sitting there, and your wife's wanting to talk to you, and you're so locked in on the TV, whatever it might be that's on the TV, that, that you're ignoring her, and you're not hearing what she says. You say, I'm afraid that's the way we are with Jesus. That's the way we are with God. God's wanting to talk to us. He's wanting to get our attention. He's wanting to tell us some stuff, and he wants to see us live it out in our lives, and we're just zoned out to what God's wanting to tell us. And it doesn't communicate to your spouse that you love them when you just stay focused on the TV and they're trying to talk to you. Neither does it communicate to God that you love Him when God's wanting to speak to you and see you have some action in your life that proves to Him that you love Him and you just ignore Him. He, He wants us to prove to Him that we love Him. It's more than just singing about it and talking about it. He wants us to prove that we love Him. And by the way, He died for us, okay? So it sounds like we ought to at at least be willing to serve Him. What does the word obey really look like? Jesus used a word in the Greek that means a watch. It means to guard from loss or injury by keeping the eye upon something. To fulfill a command, to detain in custody, to maintain, to keep unmarried. Now, they're going to leave that on the screen in a minute because I want to give you some illustrations on what Jesus means by obey, by what's said here. Back in, in the Bible days, in the Old Testament, they lived in walled cities and they would put a watchman on the wall. And it's a responsibility of that watchman on the wall to be there during a watch in the night and to be paying attention for safety purposes of maybe an attacking army or anything that might take place. So in other words, Jesus is saying this, we need to be obeying God's word. We need to be watching it and paying attention to it. It's like we're putting a guard upon God's word to where it's not lost or, or injury doesn't occur to it in our lives. It's far from the idea of in one ear and out the other, okay? He's given us the idea of obeying His Word from this light. We are watching it because we don't want it to be lost out of our life. What He tells us, what He says to us, He wants it to be in our heart instead of be lost. We need to guard it and pay attention to it being there. Of course, it means to fulfill a command. That's pretty straightforward. also means to detain in custody. Most of you know I served about 10 years in law enforcement before I was called in the ministry. We would arrest somebody because we thought they were bad. 
because they needed to be kept out of society, we would take them and put them in jail to try and detain them to where we can be sure that they were there. Think about that as an illustration of what Jesus is saying. I'm to detain the Word of God in my heart. It's like I'm to take the Word of God and arrest it and hold it in my life to where it's there and I'm using it instead of it coming in and escaping. I'm to be guarding what Jesus wants in my life to where it it doesn't escape all the time without meaning something to me. It also meant to maintain. You know, a lot of you that have homes, you'll go around the home every now and then. You look for something. Oh, we need to paint around the windows. We need to do this and that. You're keeping an eye on the house to maintain it. Some of you have cars that you really like, and you're keeping an eye on your, on, on, on your car because you're wanting to be sure it's polished and waxed and looks good and protected and things like that. So you'll go by and you'll keep an eye on it. You'll look and see, you know, if, if something needs to be done to your car. In the same way, Jesus is saying, we need to keep an eye on our relationship with Him. We need to keep an eye on the Word that He speaks to us, the Word that He gives us. We need to guard that and live it out in our lives and obey Him. Also, man, to keep unmarried. How many men here have daughters? You all relate to this one big time. Have you ever felt like or thought to yourself, you might even said it, there's no one good enough for my daughter? <laughs> Be honest, some of you have thought that. Two men in here honest enough to raise their hand. Because you see, you're, you're kind of, what, that's your daughter, and you're keeping an eye on your daughter against being married. And it's eventually probably going to happen, but the mentality of a man is, I'm keeping my eye on my daughter Some of you young guys don't understand that. Because you're not married yet, you don't have any kids. Here's the illustration for you. A lot of you young guys watch yourself trying to keep from getting married. Amen? (laughs) Don't want to go too far, commit too much. That's the illustration that's being given here for us. Just as much as a man would value his daughter, we need to value the Word of God. Just as much maybe as a single guy might think he values his freedom right now, you need to value the Word of God. Value what Jesus says and don't let it just escape out of your life. We need to prove to him that we love him by obeying him, by listening to his commands. third thing I want you to see is a house of love. We've seen a test of love if you love me. The proof of love is this. If we love him, we will obey his commands. That's what Jesus said. And that results in a house of love. Because Jesus goes on, he says, My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. In other words, in your household, you can have a a more loving atmosphere in your home if you're serving each other. If a husband is serving his wife, I promise you he's going to make a better environment in that home. The wife serving the husband. Parents serving the kids. Kids serving the parents. If they're communicating love to each other like that, it's going to enhance the atmosphere of love inside of that house. It will make it more of a house of love. 
That's what Jesus is saying. If we will listen to him and obey him, it will enhance and develop more of a house of love between us and the Father and the Son. Now, don't misunderstand, because I don't want someone going off half-cocked and misunderstand what I'm saying. This is not talking about how you get a relationship with Jesus. You get a relationship with Jesus by admitting you're a sinner, believing Jesus died for you on the cross, and it's all by faith in God's grace. There's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. He is not talking about relationship. He's not talking about salvation. He's talking about fellowship. We don't earn our relationship with God by listening to Jesus and obeying him. But we can enhance our fellowship with God. We can enhance our fellowship with Jesus by listening to him, obeying what he commands. And Jesus said as a result of it, we're going to come and make our house with you, our home with you. The, the word for home means this, a stay and a residence and abode means to stay in a given place of relationship. It's just going it's communicating closeness. We're talking today about loving Jesus by serving him. First thing we've seen is this. The first step that will help you and I show Jesus and prove to him that we love him is just to obey him. Secondly, I want you to notice this today, and we're getting ready to go over into Philippians chapter 2, you're following along in your Bible. We also can love Jesus and serve Jesus by being like Jesus. Now, for some of you, that might be a concept that you've never thought about, and it even blows your mind for it even to be said right now, that somehow you can be like Jesus. You realize that's what the word Christian really meant to begin with, little Christ? You realize that Jesus told his disciples as he was getting ready to go away, he said, you're going to do things greater than I did. You understand that Jesus left the church here for a reason. And you and I are to be Jesus in this world. And it will help us communicate our love to him if we will go out and be him in the culture that we live in. Look at what it said in Philippians chapter 2. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Now, as I read through this, there's going to be some parts there that you've heard about a lot, and you've thought about a lot. It tells us that Jesus, you know, one day every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord, the glory of God the Father. That's true. I'm going to talk about it more later in the service, just a little bit. But what I want you to notice here is this. This passage of Scripture starts out with us being told as believers we're to have the same attitude that Jesus had. Some translations say that we're to have the mind of Jesus. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. So we're literally told here that that we are to be like Jesus as far as his attitude goes. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in nature, or being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to hold on to, something he had to cling to. But instead, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. 
very God humbling himself to die, willingly die for us. Even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want us to look at this passage. I want you to notice three, three things this morning, then we're going to close. But look at this passage about how we can love Jesus by being like Jesus. To begin with, we need to have the attitude of Christ. That's what we were told in that passage of Scripture. You and I as believers need to have the attitude of Jesus. It said there, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who even though he was in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something that he had to cling to or hold on to. Instead, the one who was very God made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself. Look at some words that's used there. Word for attitude means this. It means to exercise the mind, to entertain or to have uh, a, sentiment, a sentiment or an opinion. To be mentally disposed to do. To interest oneself with concern or obedience. What does that tell us? We're to have the mind or the attitude of Christ. In other words, you and I as believers need to be exercising our mind to try and think like Jesus. We need to be having the attitude of Jesus. We need to entertain in our minds the sentiments that Jesus would have, the opinions that Jesus would have. We need to have a, a, a mental disposition to do what Jesus would want us to do. We need to be interested with or concern ourselves with what Jesus would want in our lives. He said, let this attitude be in you. And, and the, the phrase that's used there for should be or in you, depending on your translation, denotes a fixed position. And here's what that means. If you're a believer, if you know Christ is your Savior, it ought to be a fixed position in your life that you are trying to have the attitude of Christ. It's not that you come to church and you have the attitude of Jesus while you're at church. It's not that you just have the attitude of Jesus when you're around your spouse. Some of, you, some of the spouses are thinking, God, I wish you would. It's not just having the attitude of Jesus when you're out in the world and you see somebody that goes to church with you and you think, well, I, I better put on my Christian face. We're to have the attitude of Jesus all the time. We're to be thinking the way He wants us to think, doing the things that He wants us to do. We're to try and have the attitude of Christ in our hearts. goes on and it said who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but he made himself nothing taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness in being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself the one who is in very nature God Jesus didn't feel like he had to cling to or to hold on to it instead what he did was empty himself out look at these words that's used here Made himself nothing means to make empty. It means to pour out. Here's the thought that's being given. Jesus, who by nature is God. Now, guys, that's what the Bible teaches. Jesus is God in the flesh. And by very nature being God, even though he was by nature God, he didn't cling to that as though it was something to be prideful about. He emptied himself of all of it. 
to take on the form of a servant to come here and die for us on the cross. See, here's how that works out in us trying to show Jesus we love him. Because sometimes we'll get high and mighty, and some of us will think to ourselves, well, I'm above that servant role. I've got news for you. Jesus died for you on the cross. He died for me on the cross. There's not anything that he calls us to that we ought to think we're too good to do. We we had some men out yesterday replacing a drain line at a house. And, And just trying to make it sound good and not too terribly bad. It's not the drain line that put water into the house. It's the main line that took all the junk out of the house. You get what I'm saying? And they went out in the mud and dug a hole and put about a 30 foot pop line in for one of our members who needed that done in order to alleviate a lot of problems that was taking place in the house now see here's the thing with that someone might think well yeah i'll serve jesus but i don't know if i want to get down a muddy ditch and, and mess with a sewage line see here's the deal with that I'm going to come back to it again. Jesus died for us on the cross. There is nothing, listen to me, absolutely nothing that you and I are too good to do if Jesus calls us to do it. You understand what I'm saying? If the one who is very nature God poured himself out of all that, and we need to do the same, if we're going to show him how much we love him, you and I need to empty ourselves out of pride. It's okay. In matter of fact, if you're serving Jesus very much, you're going to get your hands dirty serving Jesus. And it might not be with a dirty sewage line or a pipeline. It might be a dirty life that you're trying to help out. But there's none of us that ought to have the attitude that we're too good to serve Jesus because we're communicating our love to him by serving him. We just need to empty ourselves of any of that pride. And the one who was very nature of God emptied himself out and instead he took on the nature. And the Greek word there is the word we get our English word more from. So it's like this. The one who's God morphed himself into being a servant. And the word that he used for servant is doulos in the Greek. It means a bond slave or a voluntary slave. Here's what a bond slave would do. A bond slave could be set free. It was time to where the bond slave could be set free, but he loved his master so much. In the Old Testament, he would go to the priest, and the priest would take him over to the doorpost of the temple or the tabernacle and put his ear up against it and make a hole through his ear. And that way, everyone that saw this servant would know that person loved his master so much, he decided to be the servant of his master for his whole life. That's the word that Jesus used here about himself that the Bible uses here about Jesus. Jesus voluntarily became a servant. He voluntarily came to die on the cross for our sins. He voluntarily came to serve the Father as the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. He voluntarily served us as he went to the cross and died for our sins. And because he was willing to do that, I'm just telling you, we ought to voluntarily serve him. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to take you back here to the door and put your ear up against it and poke a hole through your ear. But I will tell you this, just as clearly as people in that day and time can see that hole and think that's a bond servant, 
He loves his master. There ought to be things in our lives taking place, us proving to God how much we love him and proving to others how much we love God to where people can look at our lives and say, that's a bondservant. I can see it in their life. They love Jesus, and they're serving Jesus to show Jesus how much they love him. A bondservant. And it said Jesus humbled himself. He depressed himself. Humble himself, and that's what we ought to do. Humble ourselves, bring ourselves low, and be willing to be servants of Christ. Number two, not only do we need to have the attitude of Jesus, we need to have the actions of Jesus, the actions of Jesus. The Bible goes on and said, and became obedient to death. Jesus humbled himself, he took on the form of a servant, and became obedient to death. You see, God can't die. No one can kill God, so so Jesus had to willingly allow himself to become obedient to death. He he went to the cross and became obedient to death. Even the humiliating, suffering, painful death that would happen on a cross. So that's how Jesus shows us how much he loved us. He had this action of going to the cross and dying for us. My argument is simply this. If he would do that for us, should not we serve him? Should not we communicate to him that we serve him by us being obedient to him? If he would die for us, think about it like this. If he would die for us, shouldn't we live for him? If he would do that for us, should not the least thing be is that we would be willing to live for him? to do things for him. Let me get real practical here just for a minute because some of you might be thinking, okay, you're telling me that I need to show God that I love him by serving him, so how can I do that? There are all kinds of ways. Just talk about him. Tell others about him. If I love my wife, other people will know it because they will hear me talk about her in a positive light. So just tell other people about him. That's one way of of serving him, just to be willing to tell others. Spend time with him. We're going to talk about this in detail next Sunday because we're going to talk about loving God by being intimate with him. I told you a moment ago, I love my wife. We've been married almost 35 years. Can I, can I tell you something? Even after 35 years, I love, I love it when we can shut the world out and just be intimate with each other. And we're going to talk about that next Sunday, son, because here's, here's what I mean by that. We ought to love to shut the world out and be intimate with Jesus. Just spend some time with him. That's one way to show him that you love him. There are things you can do in this church, and if you don't understand maybe what or how you can do something in this church, come see me or talk to Daryl. One, because there's all kinds of things you can do. You can show Jesus you love him by being willing to teach children. You understand those children coming up? They need to know Christ as their Savior. And the statistics show if you get them young, that's normally when it happens by getting them to Christ. Then the older you get, the harder it is. 
And some of you may be thinking, well, you've got people teaching children. You don't really need any more help teaching children. Yeah, your children are taken care of every week, but some people are working themselves to death to do it, and more people need to share the load. And I'm just telling you, you can show Jesus you love him by doing something like teach children. You can show Jesus you love him by being involved in our youth group, by you know, talking to Brad and Brandy and find out maybe what you can do to try and help with our students, our youth, because you can serve Jesus there. You can be a, a, a greeter, you know, on the parking lot here at the doors or whatever. That's still serving Jesus. That's a way of showing him that you love him by serving him. On our, on our multimedia uh, up here, um, we need more people involved in our multimedia. I don't know if you noticed this. Have you noticed most of the time about every week it's the same two up there? <laughs> I appreciate their dedication for what they're doing and everything, but here's the deal with that. They ought to be able to come down here part of the time and sit with their family just like you're sitting with your family. Upstairs, we've got one person that runs a multimedia for our children's worship that takes place upstairs. The one person is doing it all the time. That's unhealthy for them. See, for us to be healthy, we just need to be here to worship sometimes. And while I appreciate all that these guys do to help pull on things in multimedia and stuff like that, we need more people to do that. We're going to be offering some training we'll let you know about in the future. But if you think you'd be interested in doing that, you can sign up on the back of the card. Matter of fact, if you want to teach children, there's a place you can tell us that. If you want to be involved in, our, in, in other ministries that we have, there's a place that you can tell us that. If you want to go up there and be trained in, in how to help, some of you already know how to run the computers. You're computer geeks anyway. You know how to do it, the PowerPoints, everything like that. And all you have to do is be shown a few things. Because while I appreciate their dedication, those two guys need to come down and sit with their wives some. And let's have other people up there and all. So you can serve Jesus, let Jesus know you love him by serving in that capacity. Some of you may have been hiding a gift. Maybe you can really sing good or, you know, play a guitar or drums or something like that. We don't know about it. You can serve Jesus by doing that here in our church. You, you have to audition first. And let me put in a little bit of a suggestion there. If you want to audition before you go talk to Wendy and you're unsure about, you know, whether you ought to audition before Wendy or not, if you don't have a friend in the world you can sing to first, come and sing to me and I'll let you know if you ought to sing to Wendy. Okay? I'm convinced, you know, American Idol is just crying. Let me be Randy for you, okay? Because American Idol, I'm convinced some of those people don't have a friend in the world. Because if some of those people had some friends, somebody would say, hey, don't go do that. So we'd love to have you up here helping lead worship, but you have to audition first. If you're scared about auditioning, Wendy, come to me. I'll be honest with you. I'll tell you, don't mess with it or go give it a try. Now, I'm joking around sometimes. I'm just trying to tell you, we need to show Jesus we love him by serving him. He proved to us how much he loved us by being a servant. We need to have the same attitude and show him that we love him by serving him. Have the actions of a servant. One last thing. We also can have the altitude of Jesus. Now, that may sound strange, but I'm going I'm to explain that to you. We can have the, the altitude of Jesus. Just uh, not sure where you got. Run on, run on ahead to the last main point, altitude of Jesus. I think I talked around. Okay, there we go. Philippians uh, 
chapter 2 and verse 9 through 11. I want you to look what is said at the end of this passage that we're looking at. The Bible says this, Therefore God exalted him. Now remember what we just read. We're to have the same attitude of Jesus being a servant. That's what Jesus did. Jesus came and he went to a cross and he died for us. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Two quick things I want to do with this passage, and then we're going to close. Here's the first one. One day, everybody here, one day, everyone that has ever lived in the whole world will bow their knee and they'll confess with their tongue that Jesus is Lord. Every atheist will do it. Every Satanist will do it. Every New Ager will do it. All the people are trying to find other ways to get to God other than through Jesus. And they're trying to say Jesus isn't who he said he is. Everybody that has ever lived in the history of time will bow their knee and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. So I'm just being honest with you up front. If you're here and you've never received Christ as Savior and you keep trying to put it off and you think you don't need Christ, I'm telling you, there's coming a time in the future that you're going to bend your knee, whether you like it or not, and you're going to confess with your mouth, whether you want to or not, that Jesus is Lord. That's what the Bible says. Everybody will do it. My suggestion to you is this. You do it on this side of death because it won't help you on the other side of death. If you wait till after you die and you're forced to do it, you'll do it and then you'll spend eternity in a place called hell. That's why you need to do it now. Everyone will do it at some time. That's the first way I wanted you to see this passage. Here's the second way. It said God exalted Jesus because of the servant that he was. He came and he went to the cross, died for our sins, therefore God's highly exalted him. Do you realize the Bible says that we'll be exalted with Jesus? That's what I mean by you and I having the altitude of Jesus. Look, look at these verses for a minute. Let me read through some verses real quickly. Revelation 5, verse 10. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. You want to know who that's talking about? That's talking about us. You want a reason why you ought to love God and serve God? Here's a reason for your own benefit. There's coming a time if you are a Christian that you're going to rule and reign on the earth with Jesus. Look at some more verses here. Blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. When Jesus sets up his millennial reign here on the earth, guess who's going to rule and reign with him? We are. If you know Christ is your Savior, you'll rule and reign with Jesus. Look at the next verse. There'll be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. And notice this again. And they will reign forever and ever. Who's that talking about? That's talking about those who receive Christ as their Savior. One day, we will reign with Jesus. Look at the next passage. 
Ephesians says, but because of his great love for us, God who's rich in mercy, thank God for that, amen, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. You can't earn it. There's not one thing you can do yourself to cause yourself to be saved. It's through the shed blood of Jesus, the grace of God, that you're saved. It's unmerited favor. You don't deserve it, but God gives it to you through faith in Christ. It is by grace you've been saved. Then notice this. Because this will blow you away. <laughs> and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now, you know, most of you that are Christians, you understand one day you're going to be there with him, right? You understand that. Will you look at the tense that's used here? And God raised us up past tense and seated us past tense with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Here's what that means. Right now, God is so sure that you're going to be there in eternity with Jesus because of the faith that you have in Jesus. Right now, as far as God's concerned, you're already there. You might... Think you're just sitting here, but you're not just sitting here waiting for the sermon to end and the pastor to shut up. You're seated there. You right now through faith in Jesus are seated as far as God is concerned, high with Jesus in heaven now. That being the case, that being such a great promise that we're going to reign and we're going to rule with Jesus. I'm sorry, I have to back up. And I, I saw a lady over here, dear lady over here grinning and everything. And I, it's a lady that's lost a daughter and a son already. And I thought, you know what, she's here. But at the same time, she's seated, she's seated up there with her kids right now too. You got a loved one that's died and gone on. They're up there. Guess what? As far as God's concerned, you're there with them. Man, what a promise. So here's all I'm saying. If we've got such a promise as this, that you and I will rule and reign with Jesus one day, and as far as God's concerned, we're there already, shouldn't we show Him how much we love Him by serving Him? Because the Bible literally tells us this also in Ephesians. For we are God's workmanship. God made us, we didn't make ourselves. God made you with special talents, gifts, abilities that you have. We're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Notice this, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You don't think you have anything to do for Jesus? God, before you were ever even born, planned what he wanted you to do. And he made you so you can do it. And if we want to prove to God and show God how much we love him, we need to do it by serving him. What are we talking about this month? We're talking about this Valentine's month at Day 3 Church, loving God. Today we've talked about loving God by serving Him. We can show Him how much we love Him by obeying His commands. Jesus said, if you love me, you will. If you love me, you'll do this. If you love me, you'll do this. We, we can show Him how much we Love Him by being Him out in the culture, in the world that we live in. We need to have the same attitude of Jesus, which is the attitude of being a servant. 
And if he went to the cross for us, as the Bible tells us he did, he humbled himself and went to the cross and died for us, surely we can live for him and serve him and show him how much we care by serving him. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I pray right now you'd help, especially those of us that have already placed faith in Jesus. We've already trusted in what Jesus did for us on the cross. God, help us right now to evaluate our lives and how much we are showing you that we love you. Father, if we're not responding to you as we need to, God, if we're not showing you and proving to you that we love you by our obedience, God, help us today to recognize that. And Lord, help us to take steps as believers, as Christians today, that we will show Jesus that we love him by obeying what he says. Father, help us as believers to have the attitude of Jesus. Help us to be servants in the world in which we live. Lord, if there's someone here today that does not know Christ as Savior, Father, I pray right now you'd help that person or those persons to admit to you that they have sinned, that they can't save themselves. God, give them the faith they need right now to believe in Jesus, that he died on the cross for their sins. And through his sacrifice, they can have everlasting life. Jesus took his life back up to give us that hope of eternal life through him. Father, all of us, you tell us all of us one day will kneel and will bow and will confess that Jesus is Lord. Father, I pray if there's someone here that has never done that, help them to do it now. They say yes to Christ. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On the back of the connection card, the band's going to sing in just a moment. There's some uh, suggestions there that maybe could be ways God speaks to you today. Maybe today in this service you realize that you need to trust in Christ as your Savior and you need to serve Him. But you've got some questions about what that means and you'd like to talk to one of the pastors. If you'll check that, we would love to talk with you. Maybe you prayed just then as I was praying to receive Christ as your Savior. Please let us know that if you did. Instead of just checking it off, how about stepping out as the band plays in just a moment. Come and actually let us know today publicly. Jesus died publicly on a cross for you, so publicly let us know that you received Christ. Maybe you're someone that would say today, I realize I need to tell Jesus I love him more. Like I said, we need to do more than that. We need to serve him, but we sure do need to tell him. I've actually counseled with men before and stuff and asked them when the last time was that they told their wife that they loved him, and they'd sit there and think, and they'd say, well, she knows. Well, Wendy, well, I told her before we got married, and she knows I love her. I don't need to tell her. Yeah, ladies, we're that dense sometimes. I'm sorry. In the same way, we need to tell Jesus we love him. Not just one time and let it go at that. We need to tell Jesus and worship him, let him know that we love him. 
Maybe today you realize that you need to prove your love to Jesus by serving Him more, by being obedient to Him. If that's where you are, just be honest and check that off in your life and tell us. Maybe you need to tell us with God's help you want to have the attitude of Jesus, to be more humble and, and have a servant mindset in your life. Check that off and tell us. Maybe today you know up front that you're willing to serve Jesus in some way at Day 3 Church. Just check that off and tell us. I mean, it involves becoming a member. It involves, you know, going through some training so you actually know what you're doing and things like that as you serve. But if that's where you are and you know God wants to use you here, check that off and let us know. And across on the other side of the connection card on the back, you can check off there. You want to go to the membership class? You can also write down some way maybe you feel like God wants to use you here. Just write it down. Tell us. If God speaks to your heart in some way, you just need to come here, kneel and pray. If you need to talk to me, whatever the case is, as the band plays, we invite you to come. You are listening to Sermon Audio from Day 3 Church. If you have any questions about God, faith, or our church, email us at info at dayfreechurch.com. And for more information, find us on the web at dayfreechurch.com.